This is another talk about Dante's Divine Comedy in this, the 700th year of its publication. And I wanted to talk about one of Dante's many neologisms, but this one is particularly current now, too, 700 years on, and it's the word transhumanize. It's come to mean the technological aspiration to improve us emotionally, cognitively, physically, to transhumanize us into a utopian tomorrow. So it can be quite a surprise to realize it's actually a word that Dante first used. And he uses it on the very edge of the paradise when he and Beatrice are about mm -hmm. to venture into the heavens and the high heavens towards the divine and he says that he will transhumanize he's not sure what that means as yet he will discover on the way and i thought it'd be really interesting to contrast the vision that dante unfolds of what it is to transhumanize with the vision that gets played around tossed around today to draw out, I think, some really key differences about what it is to be human and our current direction of travel. I'm not going to talk about the morality of transhumanizing. That's discussed a lot in the literature now. I think it's broadly a waste of time because the only way really to think about technology is to think about the vision it's offering, not whether it's good or bad, you know, there's a sense that technology will happen if it's possible, regardless of the moral arguments that are made. But what really matters is our desire, what we want from life. That is what really drives technological progress and indeed our encounter with life in general. So Dante is great on vision, of course. So I'm going to focus on his vision for transhumanizing and in a way hope it appeals more than the vision of the materialist transhumanizes today. So the first element I wanted to talk about was purging. Now, when Dante has been making his way up Mount Purgatory, he has been involved in the process of purging. But this is easily misunderstood because Dante's purging is not about stripping away. It's not about removing that which he doesn't desire. It's about letting go of that which veils his capacity to see more and more of reality. It's an opening up, not a stripping down. And I think this suggests a key difference, a key first difference between the transhumanizing of Dante's vision and the program of today. Because today is really about perfection or improvement. It is about cutting off that which is not wanted, that which is perceived to hold us back, that which is, to, is understood to keep us mortal and limited. Whereas Dante says no, what matters is sight. And he's going to gradually build a picture of how our very limitations, our very microcosm, is the mirror, is the means by which we can appreciate more and more. And it's why the souls he meets on Mount Purgatory have to spend so much time on Mount Purgatory. Because if all that was required was them cutting off what hindered them, they could, as it were, go through the process quite quickly. But more importantly, 
is holding on to everything that they are, even when it has gone wrong in life, through pride, through envy, through gluttony, and so on. Because it is part of them. And in this Dante vision of transhumanism, nothing is lost. Everything is needed. Because ultimately the vision is to see everything. And if you try and approach that goal by cutting things away, removing what's deemed imperfection, then you've already thwarted your goal before you've even really got going. Our microcosm can become complete, to use the Jungian word. When we can dare to see it all inside ourselves, we can become capable of seeing it all in the divine view as well. So that's the first difference. Dante's vision of transhumanizing is not about cutting away, it's about seeing it all. The second difference I wanted to point out was related, and this is about dying and death, because the modern transhumanist vision is very much about trying to prolong life, trying to extend it, ideally indefinitely. But Dante's vision of transhumanizing understands that death is very much a part of not so much the extension of life in terms of its quantity, but the deepening of life in terms of its qualities. Now, the way that this happens is by gradually realising that the fullness of life is not located inside your own life, but actually is around, through, above and beyond your own life. So the little deaths of the every day are the gradual letting go of that which you felt you possessed, felt you owned, and opening up, therefore, onto more and more life. And that can feel like a death because it is about letting go of what you thought you understood and controlled. But it's letting go into more and more. He encounters this particularly with a woman that he meets on Mount Purgatory um, called Sapia. And she was a very wealthy woman in life and thought that she had it all. But what having it all materially in quantitative terms led to was actually a boredom in life that then became deeply disturbing and perverse because what she ended up doing was spending her great wealth building hospitals but so that she could experience other people's suffering. She had, in a way, too much and lost the ability to feel the edge of life, the strife of life, the desire for more. And that twisted into her enjoying seeing those who couldn't have what she had, which was why she built her hospitals. In her life, people have thought she was incredibly generous and wonderful. But inside, which is what shows up in the afterlife, the perversion of it all was realised. And that is now what she's working out when her and Dante talk on Mount Purgatory. And I fear that she, in a way, is a terrible warning for the consumptive life of the materially motivated transhuman future, where really the idea is just to consume more and more with this longer and longer life just to kind of accumulate pleasures. But of course, that does get boring, as many people have commented when they've thought that eternity means immortality, just not dying. And it's very different from, say, William Blake's vision, 
which was that when we try and bind to ourself the joy, to use his phrase, we kill winged life. But when we kiss the joy as it flies, when, as it were, we live in the flow of life that is much, much more replete and full around us, inevitably, then we can kiss the joy as it flies and live in eternity's sunrise, as Blake put it. So this requires the little deaths of the everyday that let go to let in more, that of course also makes sense of that the death to which we're all moving anyway, and increasingly just sees that as another stage in this transition of actually the expansion of life. And so it's completely opposite to the modern transhumanist vision, which is scared of death, sees death as the enemy, not the friend, and so tries to increasingly meaninglessly extend life. This points to a third difference, which concerns the body. And in the transhumanizing vision of today, the body, again, is seen as something that is full of flaws and needs to become a kind of perfect object with all its wrinkles ironed out, all its hair restored, all its saggy bits straightened taut. Um, it's to make you an object of desire. Whereas in Dante's vision, the body is seen primarily as a genius of experiencing. It's the location of our finite subjectivity, which is the portal, the channel to the infinite. So the body has everything it needs, even when the body is struggling, even when it's in pain, it can still offer this subjectivity, this way of being in the world as you, in your particularity, that is the necessary element to have, which you already do have, to see the more and more of the divine world. It's the difference between seeing the body as a flawed object and as an experiencing subject. And Dante contemplates some of this when he meets some of his earthly friends on Mount Purgatory, um, people like Balacqua, and they remember how they'd enjoyed their bodily life when they were youths, when they went drinking, when they went loving, and when they went carousing through the streets of Florence. Um, it was good in their youth, but now they see that it was a limited kind of pleasure because it missed the subtler, deeper, wider, never-ending delights that material life can bring, the things that they could foster in their music, in their poetry, um, in their higher aspirations for love, rather than just to enjoy a night of passion. And so they realise that their earlier body delights really are just a kind of taster of the wider delights the body can bring, but that crucially is not dependent upon the body staying youthful and beautiful, but becoming the channel, the experiencing subject through which wider and never-ending never beauties can be enjoyed. It's, if you like, the true charisma of the body, which is part and parcel of the vitality of life itself. You know, when someone has true charisma, it's very striking that it doesn't actually matter what they look like because they're channeling that wider charisma, that wider vitality, which you can see in their appearance and sense in their depth as well. So that's a third difference to do with the body. Do you want it to be 
a perfected object or the very heart of your experiencing subjectivity. A fourth element springs from this as well, which has to do with the business of resonating with life rather than reducing life down. So the transhumanist vision of today works by reducing life, electrolyzing it, if you like, to a digital input that ideally can be downloaded onto a computer um, that can then be plugged in forever. And so keep turning its algorithms, running its programs in a kind of simulation of who you are, because who you are has been reduced to this digital platform. And the Dante's vision, unsurprisingly, is very different because it sees the task of our inner lives as becoming more and more resonant with the inner life of the whole world. And in particular, that comes about by cultivating our virtues. So there's another difference here. You know, it's not regarding us as primarily biological machines that can be converted into everlasting robots, but understanding ourselves as resonating through our character, through our very being, particularly in what's called the virtues. Now, the virtues sometimes are given a bit of a moral twist, as if they're prudish qualities which the good person has. But for Dante, and I think really for most writers before the modern period, virtues are actually those qualities that enable us to open more and more to life, because the virtues are known to be filling the whole of life, the cosmos, the divine life, not just as it were being our own private qualities. So for example, faith is seen as the capacity to say yes to the whole of life and so be open to it. Hope is the capacity to become co-created with the whole of life so that our nature can meet divine grace and produce a new creation. Love is the capacity to share and desire the full vitality of all that's around us, not just so that we get it, but that so we can give ourselves to it and so know it more and more. So think about virtues. There's the other ones, temperance, courage, um, wisdom, um, kindness, friendship, um, humility. Humility is a good one. Humility is about being open so that everything can flow into you. It's not about putting yourself in the lowest place um, as some sort of act of self-degradation. De um, the virtues are these qualities which we can work on right now, right here, that help us resonate more and more and more with life. Test them by seeing whether they open you up to life, whether they let in more, not by whether they somehow make you a kind of better person, issuing more and more virtue signalling. A fifth difference has to do with our abilities and our intelligence. So the modern transhumanist vision sees our abilities and intelligence in cognitive terms. It sees us as problem solvers, as pattern detectors. And so to transhumanize is to become better at problem solving, more nuanced and skillful at pattern detecting. Um, you know, it's how an AI wins a great game of AlphaGo or chess. But the Dante vision of transhumanizing sees our ability as a combination, particularly of intellect and love. It's when our intelligence and our desire comes together that we know more and more. 
It might help us to solve problems. It might help us to detect patterns. But much more importantly, it enables us to follow lines of beauty because we have felt insights, a living understanding of things that can reach into more of life because it tastes something of life and knows that there's more of life to be had. So it's a much richer, fuller understanding of what it is to have understanding, have insight. It's alive, you might said, say, you know, not dead. And don't forget that an AI can solve a very intricate problem and have absolutely no sense of the nature of that problem. Whereas we, when we tackle things, discover this ability to know things from the inside out, their qualities, they, we have eureka moments, um, that richness of engaging intellectually, lovingly, desiringly, rather than just flatly and cognitively. And the person who really brings this to Dante throughout the paradise is, of course, Beatrice. She who first awoken his love um, in the youthful infatuation when they first met at the age of nine on the streets of Florence, and when they were at that age in the medieval period of just being betrothed, he saw her and realised what love and beauty can desire. And she becomes the figure around which he orientates his whole life. But of course his love grows from that infatuation and becomes coupled to his intellect when he realises that love and discernment can be this capacity that leads us, following beauty, following light, to a vision of divine wisdom, which is what she becomes to him in the paradise. It's an expansion of understanding that reaches into realms that initially we had no perception of at all. You know, when Dante first falls in love with Beatrice, it's only Beatrice he wants. He doesn't realise that that love then that's stirred is going to lead to a love and a sharing in the whole of reality. So it's a difference, if you like, between kind of cognitive drudgery, a kind of manualization of life that just tackles one problem after another, and an intellect love that sees more and more in its growth, that has expansion, understanding, perceiving the depth of things, not just tackling the immediacy of things. So think of your abilities not just as cognitive problem solvers, Dante would say, but as transhumanizing amalgams of intellect and love and longing and desire and perception and discernment, which can knit together into a wonderful sharing of the longing, desire, intellect, discernment that is part and parcel of reality too. It leads to a sixth sense of transhumanizing that Dante unfolds as he travels through the paradise. And this is actually the one that reaches its culmination right at the end in Canto 33, where he understands that unity is a tremendous harmony of the diversity and multiplicity of all things. He sees that all souls, all angels, all created beings become more and more themselves through the cultivation of their character, through the cultivation of their intellect, through the growth of their love. And that enables them more and more to reflect the divine light, which is one. So that multiplicity and unity comes together. And it's a very different vision from the singularity of modern transhumanism, which sees 
a kind of infinite cognitive compute computational capacity accelerating away once a certain threshold is passed and that naturally gives rise to tyranny to fear this will be the kind of ultimate power trip the ultimate machine of control that will suck all things into itself like a black hole completely the opposite of dante's vision of diverse rich free unfolding unity where what brings us together is that we share all things together rather than we can manipulate all things by a kind of supreme intelligence you know it's a difference between having your own character and identity or giving up that character and identity to a design that you presume is infinitely superior to anything you could imagine but really is just shaped by the fashions of any particular age which would be reflected in this imagined AI. This leads to the seventh difference between the Dante vision of transhumanizing and the modern and it has to do with the social ramifications. So for example in the Dante vision we all have all the wealth that we need already because we can all share fully in the richness of life. We just have to find our way to this treasure house that we have in our stores. Whereas in the modern vision, wealth becomes a scarce asset that can buy a better tomorrow because it can afford the technology and also build the means to sustain that technology indefinitely into the future. So it's the difference between true wealth that we all have by virtue of being alive and giving over life to those who are rich and so can secure this narrower vision. It leads to other differences as well. You know, it's a difference between, say, fulfilling your own vocation, knowing who you are and being able to realise all that potential in life as opposed to the technological future which will become one really about a kind of self-surveillance that measures yourself more and more against those who are presumed to be setting the ideals for what it is to be human because they have the technology that's transhumanizing them. We can put it another way, it's a difference between letting go of your own life to let in more and more of life as opposed to the material transhumanism which I guess will be about kind of copywriting aspects of life which you'll then have to kind of buy in um, in an, an attempt to build a kind of life that measures up to someone else's standards. It doesn't take much imagination to conclude that's going to be a future of perpetual warfare with humans driven by what they feel they lack, the envy of what others have. Um, it's going to be socially disruptive rather than socially fulfilling. And that's another way of putting it. That it's the difference between a vision of what it is to be human that's about fulfillment as opposed to the vision which is about a kind of endless, indefinite, unclear, ill-directed progress that just somehow greedily get grabs more and more. Is it about fostering the best within us or feeling that we lack what we need and so setting ourselves on a kind of desperate course to try to find and make up for what feels like an inner emptiness, a kind of existential crisis. 
So Dante's vision is 700 years old, feels quite as relevant now as it did then. It's about the quest for a kind of meaning-laden completion of life as opposed to a neurotic attempt to perfect it. It's about love and beauty, not grasping and control. It's about character and virtue that's open to life, not making yourself into more and more of an efficient robot. It's about how your finitude can shine with the infinity of all things. Our bodies, our particularity, our place in life is precisely the gift that enables us to know more and more of life, as Dante discovers when he encounters souls on the other side of life. It's like being able to see heaven in a flower and eternity in an hour, to recall another one of Blake's famous phrases. So my seven differences are, one, purgation about unveiling to see more rather than stripping away to cut off what you don't like. Two, dying before you die in order to become aligned with the source and origin of all life, rather than fearing death and so trying to put it off indefinitely. Third, knowing that your body is the way that you're an experiencing subject and so capable of enjoying all these things, rather than seeing your body as a flawed object that must somehow be perfected. Fourthly, learning to resonate through virtues, like faith, which says yes, like hope, which becomes a co-creation, like love, which responds with a shared vitality, rather than reducing life to a series of bits and bites. Fifthly, thinking about what it is to have capacities like intelligence, and knowing that they're qualities of intellect and love, discernment and longing, rather than just cognitive flat cognitive capacities that can problem solve and pattern detect. And this leads to the sixth difference, which is about unity rather than singularity. A gathering together because everything shares in the one light, rather than a forcing in alignment that submits to a supreme intelligence that springs from a machine. And then seventh, consider the social issues as well. This is about a true wealth that we already have and can bring to completion in Dante's vision, not the need to get hold of scarce resources in order to build a future that's controlled by others. It's about vocation rather than fashion. It's about giving away rather than gaining copyright. It's about fulfilment rather than endless progress. Dante's neologism, transhumanise, 700 years on, is still a gift from him to us. But we've got to understand it aright. Though, of course, in understanding it aright, we start to realise the richness of what Dante's vision includes. If you want to find out more about that and many other things, do have a dig around my website, my YouTube channel. G.